Jonah chapter number 3. We will begin reading in verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And if any preacher worth the salt will preach only what God tells them to preach. Somebody say amen right there. If you have a preacher that preaches what the Bible says and not what you want them to say, you need to thank God for him. Amen, church? Uh, if, if you're going looking for a preacher that tells you what you want them to hear, you need to repent and get right with God and find you a good old-fashioned leather lung preacher that will tell you what the Bible says. Amen? Hallelujah. So that's what Jonah, I mean, excuse me, uh, yes, Jonah was told to say to Nineveh, it was exactly what God said for him to say. And I want to tell you tonight that I have every intention of being exactly obedient to God in what I share with you. And if it offends you, you will need to take it up with God because I'm just delivering his mail. Amen. I did not create your sin debt and I'm not obligated to pay your sin debt. Amen. You're obligated to, the Bible says, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to the Lord. And so it's up to you to go to the Lord and get your sin account settled at the foot of the cross. Can I get an amen? All right, so we're going to be obedient. Watch your Bibles now. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, and proclaimed the fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. Now you know revival done hit a country when the politician gets so right with God that he puts his house pad on a fast. Can I get an amen? I mean, God done shook his timbers. Amen. God has got his undivided attention. And would to God that God would shake the White House. And would to God that it shake up our politicians. Amen. That this word would not only get to your house and not only get to my house, but it would get all the way up into the halls of Congress and in the White House. And God would move the hearts of the King one more time. And we need to pray for that today, church. But let's read on. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Verse number 8. And cry mightily unto God. Yeah. Let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away 
from his fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works that they had turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them. And he did it not. Shout amen. <laughs> now look at your Bible. Verse number four. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and none of us shall be overthrown. Tonight, I am going to preach to you on the subject, Preaching to a Dying Nation. Preaching to a Dying Nation. Thank you, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now, I know and am very aware of the fact that Nineveh was not, in fact, an entire nation but it was a large city. But nonetheless, the spiritual principles that have happened in this text are applicable to our day and age. And if you look at where Nineveh was at, and you look at where any nation on God's green earth is at uh, that has wickedness on every hand, uh, you will find that every nation shall be turned into hell that forgets God. Can I get an amen tonight? And I'll, I'm telling you tonight uh, that I am preaching to a dying nation. But let me ask you a question. Uh, if we know that this nation is dying because of sin, uh, what would we need to say uh, that God might revive our nation again? What would you say uh, uh, to a dying man that know he's, knows he's near unto death? Uh, if you knew you were dying and only had a certain number of days, for example, 40, what kind of preaching would you want to hear? What kind of message would you expect the man of God to deliver to you? I don't know about you, uh, but if it were me, I want to search my soul and make sure uh, that I was ready to meet a holy God. Amen. Uh, and I'm telling you today that it's time that God's preachers get up in the pulpit uh, and preach as if they're preaching to a dying nation their very last moments alive. Uh, because that's exactly where we're at in this country today. Uh, America's not what she used to be. We can sing America the beautiful, but if you were to ask God His opinion on this nation and on this country, uh, it's anything but beautiful. In fact, it's a stench in the nostrils of Almighty God because of the wickedness that's prominent in our day and age. And it's not just America. It's around the world. And I know that some people wanted me to get to the hope real quick, but sometimes you've got to talk about what, how much you're in trouble before you can talk about the solution. Amen? And I'm not doing you any good by trying to give you a bunch of hope if you don't know what you need to hope in and what you don't, if you don't know what kind of trouble you're in. And I want to say tonight that America is in trouble with God. But before we generalize that and just think of that as talking about everybody else, know this, I'm preaching especially to you and to you and to you and everybody watching and everybody listening. Amen. We need to take heart and take heed to what God might have to say uh, to a nation that is on its deathbed. Amen. Uh, and I see here a similarity. You might ask yourself, how does Nineveh apply to today? Well, let me read you what Jesus said in the back book of Matthew chapter 12 and verse 41, uh, where he was preaching, I believe it was in Jerusalem, and he said, the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation uh, and shall condemn it because they 
they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Jesus said, I'm greater than Jonas and I've been preaching myself to you and you've rejected me and one day men will rise in judgment against you because at least they repented when they heard the truth. I want to know what's wrong in America. What happened to this country that was founded on biblical principles and now it seems like we're more in love with power and we're more in love with money and we're more in love with prosperity and we're drunken on entertainment and all the junk that this world has to offer, but we're sick to our soul. We are nigh unto death, and would to God that God would touch America one more time. But it's going to take an old-fashioned, heaven-sent revival of repentance. Amen. It's going to take some people calling out to God and confessing and forsaking their sin and getting it under the blood and admitting, God, we have sinned. God, we have put other gods before You. We have set up idols in our life. We set up the idols of entertainment. We've set up the idols of finances. We've set up all kinds of idols and put everything before you. And if anything, we put you on the back burner. And where the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. God, we've put you on the back burner. And we said, well, I'll go to church if I have time. I'll get right when I get good and ready. I want to see some things first before I really get out, sold out to God. I'll serve God in my retirement years when I've given the best of my days to what I want to do. And God help the country that's turned her back on God because she is now facing the consequences of decades of turning their back on the gospel that she was founded upon today. I'm telling you that we're preaching tonight to a dying nation because the dying nation is full of dying men and women who have yet to repent of their sin and turn their life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about, number one, the plight of mankind. The plight of mankind. You see, here's the problem. The Bible said in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 3 and verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So know this, uh, all have sinned. You need to be aware of the fact uh, that in the eyes of God, you have broken His law. You are guilty as charged. Now, I know there's a lot of people listening possibly to the sound of my voice that would claim, Oh, preacher, I ain't that bad. I haven't robbed anybody. I haven't stole anything. I haven't committed murder. I've tried my best to do what's right. I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty decent person. Uh, knowing not that the Bible says that even your very righteousness is as filthy rags in the eyes of God Almighty. The Bible says that if you're guilty of one of the least of the commandments, that you're guilty in the eyes of God as if you committed all of them. That means if you've ever told what we call a little white lie, which is actually black in the eyes of God. Amen. If you've ever, uh, if you've ever uh, lied to anybody, if you've ever took God's name in vain, if you've ever looked on a woman to lust after in your heart, if you've ever done any of these things, you just read the Ten Commandments and you just find one of them that you're guilty of. You're just as lost and headed for hell as Marilyn Manson. Amen. You're just as lost and headed for hell as any wicked person you can think of because it's not how righteous we are. It's how righteous Jesus Christ 
Christ is. And you better not bank on your goodness to get you to heaven because your goodness is not good enough. The only one that was good enough to please God and appease the wrath of God for the required payment for sin was none other than His darling Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who paid your sin debt on Calvary's tree. Amen. And I'm glad to announce to you that when God looked at the sacrifice of Jesus paying for our sin, the Bible said that He looked at His offering and was satisfied. That means God said, check, that did it right there, boys. There was a perfect lamb. There was a perfect sacrifice. And not only was it perfect, but it was permanent. Amen. And I'm glad to announce to you tonight that you don't have to face God in His full wrath if you'll shelter yourself beneath the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But the plight of mankind is that we're all born into sin and we all need a Savior. We all were born into sin, and we all need a Savior. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that's talking about the first Adam, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You say, preacher, I'm not dying. Well, you're wrong. The Bible says, uh, death passed upon all, for all have sinned. The truth is, uh, every one of us was born dying. From the day you were born, from the moment you were conceived, the, 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 the uh, timeline to your death day began to count down. You need to know that you are dying. You need to know that not only are you dying and not only are you a sinner, but you need to know most importantly, according to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, as it is appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. You need to know that you're a sinner, that you're dying, and you will be judged by God Almighty. The Bible says on Judgment Day, uh, amen, that they'll look for a place to hide, but they'll find no place to hide. Listen, uh, there is no hiding place. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if I were you, I would find myself in an old-fashioned altar and I'd beg God to save my old wretched soul. I wouldn't give it another minute if I was lost because you can't afford to miss your opportunity to give your life to Christ because you're not guaranteed another breath, much less another tomorrow. And the plight of man is we've all sinned, we're all dying, and we all will face God on Judgment Day. Sounds pretty gloomy, don't it? Sounds pretty rough, don't it? And I'm telling you, it's going to be rough for those that don't know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. So we saw the plight of mankind, but not only that, it gets worse. There's the plot of the devil to try to advance your, your admission into hell. Amen. The Bible teaches us of the devil in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. The Bible said the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So know this, the devil's going to be in hell forever one day, uh, being tormented day and night. But you want to know the bad, the worst news in that? Uh, is he wants to take as many of you with him as he possibly can. Uh, and this is the plot of the devil. Uh, the wicked, the Bible said, shall be turned into hell and all nations uh, that forget God. Amen. Uh, the Bible said in Revelation 20.15 that said, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You need to know that if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, your name's not written in that book. 
And when he finds it, look, it's for your name in that book and it's not there, you're going to go to hell with the devil and all of his angels. You said this is a youth meeting, Brother Gary. You ought to be a little bit easier on the children's ears. The Bible said this, that the dead, both small and great, will stand before God. That means man, woman, boy and girl. Once you reach the age of accountability, you will be just as responsible for your sin as the, as the full-grown adult is. Note that the devil's thought is to take as many to hell with him for eternity as he possibly can. If I may, I'd like to take just a moment to read to you what Paul Harvey wrote in 1965, and he called it, If I Were the Devil. Uh, many of you may have heard this, but if you haven't, it's worth to read. It fits right in with the message. So humor me for just a minute, if you will. This is what Paul Harvey wrote. He said, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I seized the ripest apple on the tree, the... So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And, and the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families that war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was, was consumed. And with promise of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I'd encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions. Just let those run wild until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon, I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbols of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who want until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what do you, what do you know, and what do you bet? I would get whole states to promote gambling as a way to get rich. I would caution against extremes and hard work in patriotism, in moral conduct. 
I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun. That's the old word for adultery. Uh, that, uh, that what you see on the TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey, good day. I thought that was worth the read. What do you think? That, that was in 1965. I say that was a word of prophecy, don't you? And look where we're at today. And I need to heed the warning. I am as a watchman on the wall tonight to let this young generation know, to let this young generation know that this world has nothing for you. I know they've got the lights and the glimmer and the fame and all the popularity, but what shall it profit if it gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? America, it's time to turn our hearts back to God for the sake of our family, for the sake of our children. It's time that we get real. It's time that we, that we quit tiptoeing through the tulips and dodging the real issues of life. It's time we quit turning our children to fairy tales and fables and entertainment and fiction-based media and give them something real that will feed their soul and prepare them to meet an almighty God. It's time that we give them something genuine and authentic that will turn their life around, that will deliver them from addiction and pornography and all the lures that the devil has for them. It's time that we bring our kids to almighty God today. We see the plot of the devil we see the plight of man, but let me, let me last close in preaching on the plan of God, our Savior. I'm glad that even though hell has a plot, heaven had a plan. Well, I'm glad that the gospel got hold of my heart when I was just an 11 year old boy and he saved me from a lot of hell and heartache. I remembered when my daddy was a drunkard living that old life and he just about lost his life because his best friend, quote unquote, got messed up on drugs and alcohol and put a hunting knife in his back and stabbed the main artery. And the doctor said if he was five minutes later, he'd have bled to death getting to the hospital. But I'm glad that God in His grace and mercy spared my daddy long enough that he got saved and started bringing his kids to church. All of a sudden I heard about that man named Jesus that turned my daddy's life around. I didn't understand what happened to daddy, but I knew he was different. I knew he no longer had that addiction and that desire to spend his nights away from his families on the weekends, drinking it up with his buddies. Next thing I knew, he said, boys, get your church clothes on. We're headed to the house of God. And God turned the whole family around. I'm telling you, God in the family saving business tonight. Can I preach to you for just a few minutes on the plan of God, our Savior. He wants to reach down and touch you and deliver you from all of your bondage. The Bible says in Romans 5 and verse 5, Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, the Bible said in due time, God, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely or barely for a righteous man one would be willing to die. Yet peradventure for a good man some might even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. I'm glad God didn't wait till you measured up uh, before He reached down to save you. Amen. Uh, some of you say, "Well, I'll come to church uh, when I get my life straightened out, preacher. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not worthy to enter into the house of God." Uh, you're exactly right. You're not worthy, uh, but you don't even have to be. That's not the deal. God set up. Uh, God said, "Come to me, chains and all. Bring your filth. Bring your chains. Bring your wickedness before me and repent of it." So you come to God in your chains. You come to the church, the house of God. Amen. And let the Holy Ghost preach to you through the Word of God. And you watch and see if it don't deliver you when you yield to it in faith and obedience. God had a plan and He said, I, I'm not going to wait until they can do better. I'm going to, since they can't reach me, I'm going to step down to where they're at. Amen. And I'm going to scoop them up off the bottom through grace and mercy. I know they're not worthy. I know they don't deserve it, but look, look what my son did. My son gave his life for them. The least I can do is offer his sacrifice on their behalf. Amen. Are you listening to me tonight? Man's plight is horrible and hell's plot is horrible, but God has a plan. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to fear facing God on judgment day. You can live in peace. You can live with hope in your heart that should you breathe your last breath, you wake up in heaven one day. The Bible said, but God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then it goes on and says, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Oh, I remember when I found out I was in trouble with God. I remember when I found out that I was on my way to hell. I remember as an 11-year-old boy when it dawned on me that uh, unless I get saved, uh, hell's going to be my home. I remembered it like it was yesterday. And it troubled my soul. And that's the problem with a lot of folk today. They ain't troubled over their sin yet. They're still having too much fun with their sin. And they make a mock of sin. And the Bible teaches us not to make a mock of sin. Because sin will have its last laugh over you. Amen. The Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season. So go ahead and get your laughs. Go ahead and drink it up. Go ahead and shoot it up. Go ahead and have your good times. Because one day uh, the good times are over, honey. And you're still going to be found wanting. And you're still going to wish you had given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go, I like what Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, if they go to hell, let them go to hell over me pleading for them. May they have to crawl over my stiff and stubborn body to, to get in through the gates of hell. But may we stand in their way. May we plead for them. Don't go to hell. And I'm up here as a preacher saying, don't go to hell. I'm up here telling you, your sin is not worth having, uh, spending an eternity in hell over. Oh, it's fun now. But one day the good times will be gone. And I remember when the Lord told me how much He loved me. And I remember when I called on His name. And I remember the peace of God flooding my heart. And I felt as light as a feather for the first time in my life. I never, I, I can't describe it any other way than clean on the inside. It was like I knew that my sin debt was not only forgiven, 
but had vanished. It had been, it disappeared. It was gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far did He remove my sins from me. And I'm telling you today that the same God that saved me as an 11 year old boy will reach down and save you from your sin tonight. I'm talking about a plan of God. I want to say this, God's after you. God's coming after you. And He's not going to let you go down without a fight. You may turn a deaf ear today. You may try to drown it out with booze tonight. But when you wake up in the morning with your hangover there, the Holy Ghost will be saying, Boy, girl, you know you need to get right. You know you need to repent. You know I love you. You know I have more for you than what this world has for you. And God is not going to let you go down without a fight. This gospel is for everyone because everyone without Christ is in trouble with God. And what our youth need to know today is the singular hope for our future as an individual or as a community or as a nation is in none other than Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus is the answer for all the world today. I know it seems too simple for the sophisticated mind and the educated mind. And they think, oh, we need philosophy and we need psychology and we need doctors and we need lawyers. And it takes a village to raise a family. We've heard all that garbage and every one of that garbage is leading our kids straight to the pits of hell. I'm telling you, Jesus is still the only way. And except we repent, we shall all likewise perish. Can I preach you like an old-fashioned preacher tonight? Amen. The Bible said in Revelation 20 and verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Do you want to stand before God in your current condition? Do you want to stand before God knowing that you're running and hiding from Him? Knowing that the last place on earth you want to be right now is under this kind of preaching. Knowing that this is making you uncomfortable and you'd rather not hear it and you think you're going to drown it out by dodging it, but you don't know that God's hot on your trail. Do you really want to stand before God as you are? The Bible said in Luke 18 and verse 6, Jesus called them unto Him and said, Suffer the little children to come unto Me. And forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. And tonight, here's my fear for America. And here's my fear for too many churches today. Many parents today shield their children from church while feeding them to the beast of this world and its all-consuming, hell-bent philosophies. What in the world is wrong with our parents today? Well, they will protect their children from the very place that could save them from a lifetime of hell and an eternity of misery. What is wrong with our parents today that we don't want our kids to get too much religion? What's wrong with our parents today that they don't want their kids to really get too excited about the things of God because then they might bring it home and cause mom and daddy to get a little bit uncomfortable? What's wrong with us today uh, that we traded preaching the gospel and preaching the book for entertainment? Uh, amen. And for light shows and glamour and, and, 
and, and famous uh, uh, stars, amen, of the Christian faith and the Christian world. Uh, and we'd rather have a concert, but we don't want too much preaching. After all, preacher, you can't win them young people preaching that like that. You'll run them off. Uh, I, I, you're not going to convince me of that, honey. It was the old-fashioned preaching of God's Word that drew me, amen. And the Bible said, if, uh, if the, uh, Jesus said, uh, no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draw him. And he's not going to draw him through anything but the preaching of the Word. The Bible said, uh, it's the preaching of the cross, uh, amen, that God used, uh, chose. He chose the foolishness of preaching uh, to confound the wise. Uh, and I, I tell you what I'm going to do in my youth meetings uh, and in my youth emphasis meetings. I'm going to give them the Word of God, amen. Uh, it's time we get back to the book because you can feel their heads with entertainment and you can feel their toes with tapping and you can feel their hands with clapping but until you feel their soul with the word of God they'll leave just as empty as they come and it's time that we give them something that will change their life amen you don't need an entertainer you need Jesus you need the word of God it's the word of God I want to ask it to you this way what do you got against Jesus what did he ever do to cause you to so resent preaching repentance? Under God, I don't understand why people run as far away. The Bible says this, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I mean, God is so good to you. Do you realize that? God done everything humanly and divinely possible to pave a way whereby you could be saved from your own sin. I mean, He literally laid it out on a silver platter and set it in your lap and said, all you got to do is turn in repentant faith to me and I'll save you. And yet we refuse sometimes. And I think it's because we're more in love with our sin than we are in Jesus. And until you realize you have a sin problem, you'll never be willing to accept Jesus. But I think the Holy Spirit of God has sent me to preach to you the infallible Word of God so the Holy Spirit might open your deaf ears to the reality of the fact that you need to turn from your sin and turn to Jesus Christ. And it's time for you to get real with God. It's time for you to quit playing games and playing church and playing religion and going through the motions and pretending like you're okay when God and you know you're not. It's time our young people hear it like it's supposed to be and not like we want it to be. It's time that the parents get real. And I'm telling you, if we're going to win this next generation, we've got to first be one ourselves. We've got to be sold out ourselves. We can't tell our children, do as I say, not as I do. And be full of hell Monday through Saturday and, 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 and sing how I love Jesus on the way to church Sunday morning. Don't work like that, Mom and Dad. We're going to have to get right with God. We're going to have to repent. And we're going to have to lead the way if we ever expect our children to have any hope of, of trusting the God that we claim we love and serve. It's time. It's time to accept God's plan for our lives. He wants to save you by His grace. He wants to fill you with His Spirit. And He wants to send you out to serve Him. That's God's plan for your life. You weren't meant to be wrecked and ruined by sin. You weren't created to be a puppet in the devil's uh, playground. You weren't designed to suffer loss and pain as a result of what the devil 
wants to do to you. God's created you to worship Him. God created you to love Him. God created you to serve Him. And it's time that you decide that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. And I say this about our kids, let them come. Don't you dare, Mom and Dad, don't you dare talk them out of going to the altar. You better let them come. You better get out of their way. Jesus said, forbid them not to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of God. In other words, they'll come a lot closer to getting it right than you will as an adult. Amen. We say, well, they're too young. They ain't come to an understanding. What are you waiting on until they get your understanding that's darkened your heart and eyes? Come on now. You better let them go while they really do understand. And before they're darkened by their own sin and blindness and, and deception and stubbornness and pride. Let them go to Jesus in a childlike, simple faith and watch and see if God don't save them and set them on fire for Him. I'm telling you what we need is we need people, parents and children alike, coming to the altar and calling out to God. Amen. And if we'll do that, even though the nation's dying, we could experience a heaven-sent revival that could sweep across this land. We could experience another great awakening for this generation. If we'll turn our hearts back to God and turn our families back to God, I'm glad that even though there may be, may be brokenness in your family, that Jesus is wrong for whatever's, uh, right, He's right for whatever's wrong in your life. That Jesus can mend the broken heart. That you don't have to go through life alone. I know everything may not be fixed, uh, but enough of the important things will be fixed that you can make it. Amen. Uh, and Jesus can uh, fix what's most important, and that's your and that's your right standing with God. That's the most important thing that you'll ever have in this lifetime. And I submit to you tonight the reality of the fact that America will continue to die as long as America continues to turn her back on God. And you as an individual will continue to die a self-destructive life as long as you keep turning your back on this gospel that I preach. And I know this much. Uh, I know that when you get saved, all your problems ain't going to go away. But your biggest problem will go away. And that's having to face God in eternity in your own sin. That's problem number one. That is exhibit A tonight. Where will you stand with God? A hundred years from now. Or if you breathe your last breath tonight, where will you wake up in eternity? It's time that you call on Jesus. I'm preaching to a dying nation tonight. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit if He will not stir the embers of revival and repentance in our hearts tonight. That those are watching by internet or listening by radio or watching here under the tent tonight or maybe you're somewhere outside the parameter uh, where we can't see you but you can hear us. Listen to me and listen to me well. Uh, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And this is a whosoever gospel. I want to tell you tonight 
tonight uh, that it don't matter how black your sin is, how dark your heart is, how low down you've been, uh, where you've been, what you've done, who you did it with. Uh, if you'll call on Him, uh, willing to return from your sin, uh, it's called repentance, which is a change of heart and mind about your sin. Uh, I know you don't have the power to deliver yourself from your sin. Uh, you couldn't quit your sin if you wanted to. Uh, but if you at least would turn to God and say, Lord, I can't do it, but if you'll help me, I will. Uh, that's called repentance. Amen. Uh, and you trust God to save you and fill you with His Spirit. You know what He'll do? He'll begin to change your desires. Uh, he'll begin to change your want to. He'll fix you up where you didn't like, want, you don't want to do the things you used to do. Amen. And all of a sudden, uh, if any man be in Christ, the Bible says he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and old things will become new. Uh, and you still won't be perfect because you're living in a sinful flesh. Uh, but you'll be a whole lot different than you were before. Amen. I'm telling you, he'll save you and he'll save you tonight.